Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 23 of English with Tim, the podcast where you can learn English in depth and detail. I'm Tim, a native speaker English teacher from the United States, also polyglot and world traveler, and author of several resources for learning English as a second language. One of them is Words for Numbers, a Patreon channel with hundreds of words for talking about data and uh, real estate that you can use um, also for IELTS Task 1 academic writing. It also includes hundreds of color illustrations, including uh, color maps. Um, you can find that at www.patreon.com slash words for numbers. So, on to the topic of today's episode. In today's episode, I'm going to get started talking about three different forms of verbs that students often confuse. These forms are the base form, the infinitive, and the gerund. So students often ask me, Tim, what are the rules for choosing the gerund or the infinitive? This is a great question, but in reality, there are three verb forms we need to pay attention to, the gerund and the infinitive, and also the base form. Now, in today's episode, I'm going to do things a bit differently than I usually do. Normally, when I talk about a grammar or vocabulary topic in one of my podcast episodes, I try to talk about every aspect of that topic. I get a little bit obsessive. I just want to do everything and tell you every single detail. This time, I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to deal with this topic in two or maybe even three episodes. This, I think, will make it actually easy to remember because this is a topic that includes a lot of details um, if you want to deal with it really in-depth, which is what I like to do. Um, so, in this episode, I'm going to do a couple of things. I'm going to explain, first, how to identify each of these three verb forms, which is the easy part, um, and then I'm going to talk about the situations where we use just the base form and the gerund. In, another, in other words, I'm not going to talk much today about the infinitive beyond just learning how to identify it, which is actually super easy, of course. Um, so, let's get started. Base form. The base form is the most basic form of the verb. It has neither past tense endings nor the S-E-S ending that we use in the present simple for he, she, it, and everyone. It doesn't have any ing on it. It's just the verb with nothing on it. Every verb in English has a base form. No exceptions. Some examples of base forms are be, go, see, try, love, take, know, can, and should. Let's move on. How do you identify the infinitive? The infinitive is the base form of the verb plus to before it. Some examples of the infinitive are to be, to go, to see, to try, to love, to take, to know. You might have noticed that the list of the verbs was the same as it was for the base form, except that in the list for the infinitive, there were two verbs missing, can and should. These verbs and the other modal verbs are not used in the infinitive. Last form, the gerund. The gerund is the base form of the verb with the ending ing. Some examples of the gerund are being, going, seeing, trying, loving, taking, and knowing. Again, modal verbs like can and should do not have gerunds. So let's talk. start talking about when you use the base form in which situations. So, um... We use the base form in combination with several verbs, with do, does, or did the, as, as a question word or as an auxiliary verb in questions, and with the modal auxiliary verbs. I'll give you a whole list of them right here. Can, could, may, might, must, needn't, shall, should, will, and would. Let's do some examples, actually, to be um, really precise. 
14 examples. We're going to cover every one of these modal verbs. Um, so, one, do you have a car? Two, did they, did they call you back? Three, yes, I can meet tomorrow. Four, could you pass me the salt? Five, she could speak English really well. Six, may I make a phone call? Seven, bring an umbrella, it may rain. Come with us, it might be fun. Nine, you must wear a seatbelt. Ten, you needn't come to work tomorrow. Eleven, shall we go now? Twelve, we will call you on Thursday. Thirteen, would you like another cup of tea? Fourteen, and last, when we were kids, we would often play in that park. Now that you have heard these examples with uh, do, does, did, and the modal verbs, I want to point out a few things. The first is that there is a modal verb that is an exception to this rule, ought to. I will talk about ought to a little bit later when we talk about infinitives, but I will give you two examples right now. One, they ought to be here soon. just means they should be here soon. They probably will be here soon. Second example and last one, you ought to come with us. It will be fun. The second thing I want to point out is that I often hear people making a certain mistake. They say can and should with to. This is a mistake. It doesn't stop you from being understood, but it does sound bad. So, two examples. He can speak English, not he can to speak English. That sounds bad, but he can speak English. Second example, the weather is beautiful. We should go for a walk. Not we should to go for a walk. That sounds bad. I've been listening to people speak English as a second or foreign language for many years, and there are mistakes that I've gotten used to and that don't bother me anymore. But can to and should to still sound bad. Not call a doctor, my ears are bleeding, or the sky is falling kind of bad, but still pretty bad. It doesn't sound good. So pay attention to that when you speak. Listen to yourself speak when you talk. Um... The last thing that I want to point out about base forms is that we use let and make with the base form. So this make is make in the sense of force someone to do something. Six examples. One, let's go. Two, let me explain. Three, the teacher let us watch a movie. Four, my mom made me do my homework. Five, the boss made us sign a non-disclosure agreement. Six, you can't make me do it. So, I also hear people make the mistake of using to with let. Again, this sounds pretty bad. Don't say they let us to go home early. Say instead they let us go home early. Um, I do need to add another detail here, and it's that when you use make in this sense, in the sense of forcing someone to do something in the passive voice, you use the infinitive that is the form with two. Two examples. One, we were made we were made to sign a non-disclosure agreement. Two, visitors were made to promise not to take any pictures. So this make in the sense of forcing someone to do something in the passive voice you use it with two. Not a super common situation. Make in the active voice, which is how you use it almost all the time, is with the base form. Make someone do something, but we were made to do something. That's all I have to say about the base form. So let's move on to the gerund. 
there's a lot to know about the gerund. The first situation where you use the gerund is after prepositions and phrasal verbs. Now, in practice, only a small number of prepositions get used often with verbs. So these prepositions are after, before, while, by, of, and from. Now, even though this is a small list of prepositions compared to the, you know, several hundred prepositions, complete, really complete list of prepositions that exist in English, um, this is, these are prepositions uh, that I've named that are actually quite common. So even though there's a small number of them, they get used pretty often, and that means that they often get combined with gerunds. I'm going to give you nine examples. One, I always have an espresso after eating lunch. Two, you should meditate before going to bed. Three, we listen to podcasts while driving. Four, I was able to get a great score by studying for three hours every day, so by studying. Five, you can get sick from eating uncooked seafood. Six, I decided against replacing my computer. 7. They went on talking until ma after midnight. 8. I'm tired of eating the same thing every day. 9. And last, not everyone likes the responsibility of being a parent. So, there is a confusing detail related to prepositions and gerunds. So, the small word to, T-O, can be used after certain verbs like decide to do something and promise to do something, in which case we use the infinitive. But to is also a preposition, and after a preposition we use the gerund. So which one do you choose? The answer is that in almost all cases, you're going to say, uh, with almost all verbs, you're going to say um, the infinitive with to. However, um, what happens is that students get confused and they think it's impossible to use a gerund after two. They think it just sounds weird. Nonetheless, there are three verbs that use two as a preposition, and they all happen to have the same meaning. So, one, I need a month to get used to waking up so early. True story about me at the beginning of a school year. Two, it was not easy to get accustomed to being a parent to get used to something, to get accustomed to something. Absolutely the same meaning. It was not easy to get accustomed to being a parent. Third and last, we're still getting acclimated to following a vegan diet. Get acclimated to something. Get acclimated to doing something. Get accustomed to doing something. Get used to doing something. That last one, get used to doing something, is actually pretty common. Um, the other two are less common substitutes. So, another function of the gerund is that you use it as the subject of a sentence. Five examples, one through five. One, getting up early sucks. I think I already said that in a different way. Two, lifting weights is good for you. Three, traveling with friends is more fun. Four, smoking is bad for you. Fifth and last, biking has been my favorite sport since I was a teen. So, another situation where you use gerunds is in active participial phrases. 
What's an active participial phrase? So let's start with three example sentences. The first two without an active participial phrase, and then another very similar sentence with an active participial phrase. Sentence one, no participial phrase. Some people receive free medical care. Sentence two, again, no participial phrase. People who earn less than $20,000 a year receive free medical care. So the phrase, who earn less than $20,000 a year, added an important detail to the subject of the sentence, people. Which people? Not just any people, but instead people who earn less than $20,000 a year. Third sentence with an active participial phrase. Now we're going to add this. People earning less than $20,000 a year receive free medical care. The part of the sentence here that is an active participial phrase is earning less than $20,000 a year. That phrase means the same thing as who earn less than $20,000 a year. There's an important thing to note about active participial phrases. We use them more often in formal writing, more specifically administrative style writing, and less often in speech. Let's hear just two more examples of sentences with active participial phrases. One, people sitting at the front of the bus will receive drinks first. Second and last, businesses employing a large proportion of female workers receive a tax credit. So, active participial phrases are actually a bigger and more complex topic than the explanation I've given here, but it's big enough that really it's not possible to deal with them fully here without really distracting from the main topic of gerunds and base forms. So I will talk about active participial phrases and their cousins, passive participial phrases, in a future episode. I'll deal with them in full. Lastly, the final situation where you use the gerund is after certain verbs. Listen to eight sentences here, each with a really common verb that takes the gerund. One, deny doing something. He denied stealing the money. Two, enjoy doing something. I enjoy sleeping late on the weekend. Three, finish doing something. We will call you when we're finished working. Four, give up doing something. She gave up smoking. Five, go on doing something. That means continue. They went on dancing till morning. Six, mind doing something. Do you mind waiting a few minutes? Seven, practice doing something. You should practice speaking English more often. Eighth and last, spend time doing something. He spent a lot of time looking for his wallet. So that's everything you really need to know about the gerund, um, as I said, and about the base form as well. Um, like I said, next week we're going to deal with the infinitive and possibly also with ambig ambiguous or unclear cases and some unusual cases. Um, that's all for now. I'm looking forward to reading your comments um, and your thoughts about this topic, and I will see you next Monday. Have a great week.